This is the best of two pros in a cup of joe with LeVar Arrington, Brady Quinn, and Jonas Knox on Fox Sports Radio. We get right to it. Uh, the uh, Urban Meyer era in Jacksonville is a wrap. Uh, late last night, the Jaguars made the decision uh, that they were firing their first-year head coach, Urban Meyer. Uh, this, of course, uh, comes on the heels of uh, Josh Lambeau, a former kicker uh, who had uh, you know some uh, complaints about uh, behavior from Urban Meyer, uh, said that he kicked him before a preseason game, uh, getting ready to take on the Raiders. Uh, in August, uh, reported this. Uh, Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times uh, wrote about it. Uh, and then uh, Josh Lambeau also, uh, here he was on a, in a one-on-one interview on First Coast News in Jacksonville. I see Urban come up to me out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> he comes up to me and he says, hey, dip, another word, uh, make your effing kicks. And then proceeds to kick me right in the leg, right in the hamstring. Um, also, on the, on the leg, on the hip, that kept me out for 12 games last year. And I couldn't believe it happened. I looked up at him. I said, don't you ever kick me again. I said, if there is a source, that person's out of a job. Essentially, I don't remember the exact quote. But that was, in essence, what he said. And he can't, I don't think he can deny that. And that's what he did to me uh, in, in August. And it's just unacceptable to intimidate people into your narrative. And now the reason for speaking up about it is because he's trying to shut everybody else up. And he tried to shut me up once. I'm going to make sure it doesn't happen again. Hmm. God, can you hear that? Uh, I'll tell you what, LeVar. Uh, 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 it's, uh, if that gives you any indication of where this world is at, oh, uh, kickers can dictate things in football, ooh. my God. Uh, and you know what's even... <laughs> I mean, I'll be real with I'll you. I'll tell you what's even scarier. Uh, I didn't know rats were so athletic. Uh, what, what's <laughs> even, that's not an athlete. <laughs> what's even scarier is to even talk about it is so dangerous. Like That's the culture we live in right now. To even yeah. to even make light of this is and to criticize this guy is dangerous, which is crazy to me. Like, and and listen, there will always be people that say, "Well, maybe the way things worked for you weren't actually correct. Maybe they should have been handled differently." You know, it, it, that's what makes it more legitimate is that we, we're we not as enlightened as we should be. But people like that that come out and say things like that are are truly enlightened and are truly, you know, they, they've had their illuminating experiences in their lives to be able to say, hey, don't you kick me on my hamstring again. I will not allow for you to do that. Like the day that football becomes a sport, where a coach won't berate you. Like, I always say, the one of the most interesting things, like, I'm not one that subscribes to, you know, cursing out your your player and, and, and really using, you know, tactics that are more aggressive because I always say, if we were in a different profession, you wouldn't talk to me this way and you wouldn't handle things this way. But nonetheless, it's a part of the culture. And and while people will say, well, maybe the culture should change. Well, maybe some things shouldn't change. Right. Maybe some of you people that are soft-served dough should <laughs> think about doing other things. If, if you can't handle a coach calling you a dip-ish, right, and, and you can't handle him kicking you in the back of the leg, 
and telling you make the goddamn kick because that is all you're good for. And you can't you can't handle them saying that. Let me tell you something. You should hear 99% of the other stories <laughs> that are taking place between <laughs> players and coaches. If 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 you, Mr. Kicker, believe that you were violated so vilely by Urban Meyer telling you to make the kick, which by the way, you're a kicker. Like like think about this. There is only one position in football that you, well, two, really, which is the snapper, which is funny because that's a special teams guy. Okay, three, here we go. The holder, right, which is the guy who holds the ball for for the specialist. You have the kicker and you have the punter. Which usually the holder and punter are the same guy. <laughs> so usually the holder and punter are the same guy. We don't even we say wide receiver. We say running backs. Like like there's different. There are so many different meanings to to the other positions in in the game. While they will tell you exactly where the player may be, their their duties and their responsibilities are vast. And so when you think about a guy that comes out and he's now considered to be the representation and the voice of what was taking place with Urban Meyer in Jacksonville, I just got to be honest with y'all out there and y'all may get upset with me, you know, but that is not it that is not an accurate representation of the voice of that team. No. That is it's it's the furthest thing from an accurate re- – that man is not rescuing the rest of the team. He's not leading them to freedom out of bondage from Urban Meyer. He does not speak for the rest of that locker room. I can assure you that. I've never been on a, a team where, where that was the case, where a kicker wouldn't this. Cause the, the thing is the timeline of all this. This happened in August. And yeah. you're telling me that at no point in time since then – no, nothing got an, enough play, enough role. This is, th- this is what happened. And I, and I think Shot Khan lied to everyone. Shot Khan, I think, wanted to fire Urban Meyer after the Ohio incident, the optics, everything else, and Agreed. maybe felt early on he made a mistake. Yep. But you know what he couldn't do? He couldn't fire him with cause. This resurfaced again. And I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't a hit job from the inside. With all the stuff that was leaked out, Coaches on the staff that I can assure you were leaking stuff. Maybe even someone on the front office side with a big title, if you know what I mean. Mm. And I think this was one of those things that got whispered in the shot cons here. And they said, hey, you can get out from underneath us with cause. You don't have, like, so they could fire them. They're not going to have to pay whatever is there. Or you pay a reduced amount through a settlement. That's what this was about. They, they eventually felt like, or Shotcom must have felt like at some point they wanted to move on and they needed to figure out a way out. And they realized after the incident in Ohio, it wasn't enough. You weren't able to fire Urban Meyer with cause then. And now they got a chance to because the Josh Lambeau, this, this whole incident, which, again, the NFLPA, I, I didn't hear them make a big fuss about it. And so outside of this being reported, which happened months ago, we're now using that as cause to fire the guy? I just... None of it really makes sense as far as the timeline of when this incident occurred and now the decision that they're making. It's like, did Sean, was Sean Khan just completely unaware of this as an owner? 
did Josh Lambeau just decide to try to pile on now with everything else that was coming out? It just seems to be a trend. It's, I don't even care that he's a kicker who made the accusations. To, to Brady's point, none of it adds up. It doesn't make sense. So, so first of all, uh, in one of the reports, it was uh, Josh Lambeau said, uh, you know, when he kicked me, I said, don't, have, don't ever effing kick me again. All right, that's a bunch of crap. I can guarantee you he didn't say that. Secondly, like, it, it, it could, he could have been busting his balls. Urban Meyer even uh, denied uh, it afterwards. Hello. Yeah, of like, course that he is was. football like, culture. Yes. Of course he and, was. and it's and so when you hear this, there's comment, a reason why Josh Lambeau's not there and, anymore. And, and, that has nothing to do with this incident. And, and by the way, that happened in August. He wasn't cut until a couple of months later. And you want to know why he was cut? Because he stunk out loud. He missed his first three kicks and he missed a couple of PATs, if I'm not mistaken. And he got beat out for the job. He went to Pittsburgh, got cut again. This sounds like a guy who who butchered his his own performance, butchered his own job, got cut, and then all these months later wants to come out and start ratting people out and complaining because somebody was teasing him a little bit in a pregame huddle. I, I never played anywhere close to the level you guys played, but I played in high school. And this is so common. Coaches would come around and whip you in the back of your helmets with their keys. They would come around and, and pinch slap the back you of your, your arm. Slap you with your Look, ha- and, hand. I and mean, that happened at, at medi- mediocre high school grab football. Grab you by your face mask. I mean, Brady, miss, miss, throw an interception. Miss a couple passes during the game. What is the coach going to do? Grab you by your, your face mask. Especially like high school, college. Grab you by your face mask and be like, come on, Brady. Like, yeah, I mean, get your get your effing head in the game. Here's why. Here's why this is that part of you know all the all the media. Everyone on the outside wants to get an inside scoop in the locker room. You can't handle the locker room. You can't handle it. You can't handle it. Nope. Like you can't handle really the reality of football. Nope. And don't try to come into this world of football and say well it needs to change or it needs. To... Don't say that because there is a certain intensity. There's certain things that are being asked of these players and of these coaches that you don't understand unless you're in it. Mm-hmm. And that's the reality of it, is you can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Because when it comes down to it, I don't care if, if, if it's in football or anything else, when you get to those intense moments, you start to see people acting out outside of their shell. But this is just us getting a peek into something that's not corporate America. It's not for social media. It's not for all of this. It's what goes on in the locker room and a brotherhood and, and this what's supposed to be a tight-knit group that clearly came unwound because of, again, probably a desire by people on the inside who didn't want to be a part of it anymore. I went, look, when Brett Musburger came out and we talked about it, and he said it was a professional hit job on John Gruden, it was like, okay, yeah, but he did say those things in the email. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, like, fight, what is the fireball offense for Urban Meyer? Because I just saw somebody list something on a television in which they listed all his transgressions, hired Chris Doyle as a strength coach. Okay, he got rid of him. Uh, I saw somebody. The guy was. Oh, by the way, he didn't get rid of him. The guy resigned. It, because of all the after, heat. Well, right, but I'm saying he hired him because of the job that he did. And, and here's the other part about that. Are we just. Are we done giving people a second chance in this world? Uh, amen. Is, is that where we're at now? Like, we're amen. done giving people a second chance and we can't say, well, hey, a guy might have made a mistake in the past or, you know, maybe there are some allegations, but apparently nothing's innocent until proven guilty anymore. And then are we just done giving people a second? So could Chris Doyle never coach ever in the history of his life from here on out? Like there's a lot of players who are in defense of Chris Doyle. But now, but now you're all of a sudden you're going to say, well, no, he can never coach again. I mean, that, that, that's we're willing to do it in some facets where we want second chances some places and not anywhere else. You tell me how unfair that is.
It's ridiculous. And you, you list off his quote-unquote transgressions, hires Chris Doyle, uh, people complain about the Tim Tebow stuff, uh, the, the stuff that happened at the bar. Yeah, it was a bad look. Is that a fireable offense? Guy made a mistake. He apologized for it. Then you get the, these rats and snakes that are in the locker room that, that, that dime him out to the NFL Network. By the way, one of those reports, Marvin Jones, who was listed as the guy who walked out, talked about it and said, yeah, that's BS. That's not how it happened. We had a conversation as men. That's not true. We discuss something. We move on. I'm, I'm the elder statesman in the room. So that was called out, and that was pointed out that it was BS. Brady, you mentioned it earlier this week. Albert Breers talked about it on Twitter, said, yeah, that didn't happen. It's not true. And then you get a report of a guy who took a little bit of teasing the wrong way, and then, and then all of that totals up to Urban Meyer losing his job. Let me ask you this. If they've got a winning record, is he getting fired? No. Not happening. And if that incident in Ohio in the bar hadn't happened, is any of this a fireball offense? It's a, it's a bunch of crap. This is all crap. People that wanted to jump on him, we said it two days ago. They had an agenda coming into this. They didn't like the fact that he was in the league. They wanted him out because people were still pissed off about the way he handled his roster, whether it be at Florida and the guys that were on that team, or whatever happened with this coaching staff or the players and the characters at Ohio State. It's a bunch of crap. If Brett Musburger thinks it was a job on John Gruden what the hell do you call this it's ridiculous I, I, I'll say this and it's interesting because it's like I guess I guess uh Lambeau has put himself in a uh, position to do a tell-all book you know dropping in, oh, uh, dropping yeah. in August time, oh, social, I, I wonder if a TV hey, network of the media is not gonna time. hire him now. Oh, lifetime, yeah, yeah. Way to go. lifetime will do a, a a docu-series on the life of Lambeau and 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 release that and, and here's here's what I'll say right if there was an offense, and I think I said this on the show uh, maybe yesterday, when in the locker room, when there is when there is such unrest going on with the team, the team, like to think that we're Neanderthals that don't have feelings, that don't know how, you know, we're not in the locker room like, onga bunga, like, we speak English, people. We we know how to communicate with one another. We we understand what an abusive situation feels like. We understand what what looking out for one another and and actually imagine this. We actually understand that with the coaching staff. We understand that with the scouts, the the media, the 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 ownership. We actually understand these things like there's this thing called comprehension and i know i might sound like i'm being like a jerk or or you know condescending but for some strange reason i just always feel weird when conversations start to go down a lane where our iq and our mental iq our emotional iqs now fall to the wayside if there was if if Urban Meyer was being an aggressive, abusive person to to the degree of what this guy is saying, the team would have handled that. The team would have came to that kicker's defense and been like, "Hey, Urban, chill, bro. Chill. Like that's enough. Like we're good here." The team would have policed that situation. So to sit here and and go rogue the way that this dude did, 
And for it to be a, a, a linchpin of sorts, to be the, the conversational point that pivots all of this towards the right direction of Urban Meyer isn't the right person for the job, look at this team's success rate as of late. Look at where this franchise currently sits in its success and, and what it's doing. You can single out Urban Meyer if you want to and say he wasn't the answer for the job. That's fine. But to try to character assassinate the man on sending him out with something as feeble as this, that's a feeble-minded person that came out with those quotes. He's feeble-minded, simple. He's a simpleton. And for that to be the representation that Jacksonville is leaning on, I I think that that tells you everything you need to know about this organization and why they can't win. Dysfunction has a way of showing its ugly-ass face in so many different ways, and now we've just seen another from a dysfunctional organization. You know what the irony is? So now Daryl Bevel takes over as their interim head coach. Shot Khan's entrusting the coaching staff that not only narked on their own head coach, or at least uh, I shouldn't say everyone. There's obviously a, a couple members in particular. But he's entrusting, like, they're so upset of the lack of development for Trevor Lawrence. Who do you think was coaching him? <laughs> like, who do, you, who do you think the lack of development came from? It wasn't Urban Meyer. He, you hired him as more of a CEO type. It was the staff. And so what, do you think he was standing in the way of this staff being able to do its job? He wasn't up there drawing an exercise. He doesn't have an offensive playbook. It's Daryl Bevel. It's Brian Schottenheimer. If you're upset about the lack of development of Trevor Lawrence – Go look at the guys you just – one of them you just uh, hired as the interim head coach. I mean, that's the reality of this. You're turning and trusting over to a staff of coaches that if you're frustrated with the result, they were as big of a piece of that as anyone else. It's uh, – the, the whole thing is just – uh, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I don't know if anybody saw the uh, the hat selection process uh, for one Travis Hunter, who's uh, one of the top recruits, a cornerback uh, coming out of high Number school, two. who's making, making his decision on where he wanted to go. Everybody thought it was going to be uh, Florida State, uh, and then all of a sudden he decided, no, nah, we're going to go ahead and pass. Uh, I'm going to go up with Florida State, but I'm going to go with one of the great Florida State alums, Deion Sanders and Jackson State ends up getting Travis Hunter, one of the top players in all of high school football. Uh, he decommitted. He will sign with Jackson State, and he is now a member of Team Sanders there. How about that? Burn it's job a, to Florida it's State. A, it's a big deal, man. That's a that's a big deal, and it's one player, but that one player represents a historic moment to huh. to flip. I mean, Bray, would, would you say this? I mean, it's got to possibly be the biggest flip in the history of flips in college sports. It is, but it's also a very unique scenario. You've got arguably the greatest cornerback, defensive back, however you want to phrase it, in NFL history as the head coach at an HBCU. That's the position Travis Hunter plays. So I do wonder how much of the pitch was, hey, this is what you do. I'll show you the way. I'll give you the keys. And, and I think we know this, like wherever you go to college now, if you're good enough, they'll find you. You know, this isn't like 20, 30 years ago 
where it maybe was a little bit more difficult getting film. You'd have to travel and get out there to the game, see him in person. Like, that stuff's not hard to get anymore. And so you see a lot of smaller school kids now finding their way onto NFL rosters. I mean, the last recruit that was even close to this high of a ranked player was Dominic Rogers Cromartie. Um, as, as far as like you know, where he kind of came from and everything else and, and going that route. But I, I do wonder how much of it had to do with Deion Sanders, you know, being there at Jackson State. And, and that leads me to then, well, what happens if he leaves? Mm. <laughs> I mean, like, 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 unfortunately, as big of a moment as this is for smaller schools in comparison to the group of fives and like the flip and how Florida State feels about it and all that. If, if Deion Sanders leaves to take a Power 5 job, which he almost had the TCU job this year, he was in the running for that. He's the coach of the year in his league. They're all going with him. Yeah, they're all going with him. Like, you got the transfer portal, so it looks cool and it's all good now, and, and Travis Hunter can say, hey, this is historic and I want it to be about this, but the second Deion leaves, I'm just saying, I wonder if they're all going to go with him. Yeah, they will. And, 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 and the other thing, the last thing I'll just say is, if, if the final pitch, because Deion Sanders went on with Barstool Sports, yep. and he said, we're going to shock the world, yep. all right? He knew, and this is where it gets a little bit muddy. Mm-hmm. He knew that there was an NIL deal yep. with Barstool Sports for yep. Travis Hunter. Yep. <laughs> Here's the problem with that, folks. You cannot facilitate a deal as part of a university. Head coach, and you can't be a part of any part of it. And it sounds like he knew and was privy to, and given his relationship with Barstool, probably helped facilitate that deal that is quoted or reportedly in the millions. So I heard reportedly two point five during the course of his time there. Okay, it, so there you go, two point five over the course half, of it. You get two and a half million. Jesus, well, it's opening it, well, up over a whole nother conversation. Years. It opens up a whole nother conversation because you're 100% right with the facilitation of, of the situation. And he could say he didn't have anything to do with the facilitating of it, and, and he would be rightfully so to do that. Uh, but at the end of, end of the day, we all know that Dion has something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, of course. It is I what mean, it is, right? He works directly with Barstool, and he had yeah. to have went to them and said, hey, let's change the Let's do something different. Let's change the world. And, I'm, and you know Barstool. You'll sign up for that a heartbeat yeah. because it gives them pub on the backside of it. Now they get direct access yep. into Deion Sanders and all that. They've already had direct access into all right. of it. I think right. they're doing like a documentary on his team. Exactly. And, yeah, they've been following him around. And, and so, so that only plays into it more when you can then get the top or a top recruit as part of it. And so you're, you're kind of working with each other, feed, you know, feeding each other with all of this. And that's where it's like it's hard to believe that there wasn't any prior knowledge, any, you know, any facilitating going on, uh, at least to, to entice Travis Hunter to go there. I think the interesting aspect of that in this conversational point is that everything is being dictated by Prime. Everything. Because that's all they have. What else is Jackson State going to leverage? Nothing. You're not going to leverage the historical value of the school. You're not going to leverage who came from that school. There's nothing to leverage. So when Dion went there, let me tell you something about Dion Sanders. Prime did it as about perfectly as you could possibly do it. All right. He started with Truth Youth. He basically raised his workforce. 
He raised them. He had them since they were kids. Then he becomes a a very, very critical f- uh, figure in launching the Under Armour All-American game. Then he's a mainstay there for all them years. He's built relationships with all the guys that are playing on Sundays now that have played on Saturdays all those years. So now he's doing it in high school level. Now he has a private school that's a high school school, and he's getting kids of the caliber and the level that are good enough to play in the Under Armour All-American game. Oh, then he goes to college to go coach, which, by the way, he keeps his name relevant the entire time because he's been a stalwart and a mainstay in media since the beginning of the entire deal. Yeah. So now he understands the media side of it. He understands the the connection to the communities and to the kids side of it. And he has leveraged it to the hilt. So where we're at right now, even if it's not Barstool, it's going to be Ford. It's going to be Chevy. It's going to be Subway. Discover. It's going to be Discover. Yeah. Well, go ahead. It's no, no, want, I'm, no I'm just saying right. it was just discovery. It's, yeah. it, there is going. This is only the tip of the iceberg in terms of the influence that Dion is going to have. It will almost virtually be impossible to tag Dion as the facilitator, even though you you know without a doubt he's the facilitator. But it's going to be so many companies that want to get into bed with what Dion is doing. And think about where we are in our culture right now, right? It's it's the underserved community that the and communities that matter. It's the social justice that matters. It's the equality that matters. So all of these companies we've been seeing looking to throw their dollars at at issues that have have now become prevalent issues being discussed in our society today, you are going to want to get that feel-good content and that story, and Dion knows it, and he's leveraging it to the hilt brilliantly by taking top, top-rated top prospects and telling them, come here, I'll get you to the league, because as you mentioned, Brady, they will find the talent, but then also on top of that, who has the connections to – to these companies like I do. These people want to represent me. They're going to want to represent you because they want to represent me. Come here and you'll get those opportunities to be able to monetize yourself as you're going through your college career. I don't have to make the deal for you. Just come play for Prime. I can guarantee you Prime Time is going to put you in the right time, in the right space to be able to get what it is that you deserve. He's going to use that every single time. Yeah, It's just a matter of how many guys are going to go for it and what's that going to lead to? Because if he gets too big, then now the question becomes, you made Jackson State this big off of what you're doing. What type of investigations are going to take place? Because that's always what happens, right? You have success. There's always going to be something or someone that tries to bring it down. So it's like, what ensues? Or will he be gone? As you mentioned, I mean, he might be gone. He might end up at Florida State. He might yeah. end up at one of these top Power 5 schools. Be sure to catch live editions of Two Pros and a Cup of Joe with Brady Quinn, Lavar Arrington, and Jonas Knox weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. 
Hey, it's Ben, host of The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller, along with my trusty sidekick, David Gascon. Would mean a lot to have you join us on our weekly auditory journey. You're asking, what in God's name is The Fifth Hour? I'll tell you, it's a spinoff of The Ben Maller Show, a cult hit overnights on FSR. Why should you listen? Picture, if you will, a world where we chat with captains of industry in media, sports, and more every week. Explore some amazing facts about human nature and more. Listen to The Fifth Hour with Ben Maller on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, podcast or wherever you get your podcast right now uh, our guy joining us here on fox sports radio is albert breer senior nfl reporter at the mmqb you can get him on twitter at albert breer albert uh thanks for uh, popping on with us we appreciate it as always you got it guys going on all right so uh let's get right into it uh the urban meyer stuff um I don't want to say that it feels like this was a hit job, uh, like Brett Musburger uh, described the um, John Gruden firing, but it does yeah. feel like there were some agendas that were taken into this season about Urban Meyer, and uh, it got to a point where they were looking for a reason uh, to go ahead and clip him. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, you know, look, I, I think that the reality of the situation is that every college coach that goes into the pros um, has – I would say an uphill battle um, just from within the league and the people around the league that he's fighting. And, you know, I, I think there were a lot of people invested in seeing Urban Meyer fail the same way there were a lot of people invested in seeing Chip Kelly fail, the same way there were a lot of people invested in seeing Nick Saban fail. Um, and, I mean, all you have to do to sort of prove that out Look at what people have been saying about Cliff Kingsbury over the last couple of years, right? I mean, people have treated Cliff like he's a bumbling idiot and never really gave him a chance because they didn't like the hire in the first place. And there are NFL people that want to look at it and say, well, that's a college guy and he can't do it. And lo and behold, you give Cliff some time and you see, you know, what it can become. So, um, look, like I'm not saying that the Jaguars – I had any choice in this. I think in the end it was probably, you know, almost a fait accompli that he was going to lose his job. But, yeah, I mean, the way the storm clouds formed for Urban Meyer, I think absolutely, you know, was, again, reflective of what happens when college coaches come to the NFL and there being a lot of people invested in making sure that it doesn't work. Can I ask you this, Albert? How much of this has to do with – because when looking at the timeline of it, none of it makes sense. We were talking about that earlier. This happened in the preseason. So what, it's yeah. just now becoming an issue when it would have been out before a preseason game. People, other people would have been there to see it. And so it feels like more to me like this is that reason for cause that allows Shad Khan to get out from yeah. underneath that contract without having to pay him because this is resurfaced again. It's become more public. Well, no, I mean, Brady, I'm not a lawyer, but my, I mean, my understanding is if he knew about it in August, which I think they basically conceded that the Shaw did, and he went forward with him, you know, as his coach, then I think you'd lose the ability to fire somebody for cause. You have to do it in the here and the now. You can't just say, well, and now it's convenient for me, like, and this is out there. I'm going to use this to fire the guy and not pay him. So... I mean, look, there might be a, there might be an avenue that the Jaguars can take here. Um, and my guess is maybe they would negotiate some sort of settlement anyway. Um, but, you know, I don't know that you can take, you know, an incident like that that you knew about in August and say this is why we're firing him and why we're not going to pay him. Um, you know, if you had gone forward for four full months, you know, knowing what had happened with the guy as your head coach. 
All right. What is I mean, I I've been a part of being in a season as a rookie where you lose your head coach uh during the course of the season and an interim takes it takes over. You saw a lot of things in Washington. Uh, I mean, there's probably not too much that could happen that I haven't experienced. Uh and 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 looking at Trevor Lawrence and and where he's at right now. I mean, has there been any real conversation thus far uh about what the future holds for for him because the quickest way to derail a fine young talent is by having multiples of of coaching staffs that have to come in and and deal with that player. I mean, before you know it, he'll be in his sure. third or fourth year. Um, you know, I, I think like the maybe the template for this Lavar is the Rams five years ago. Um, you know, Jared Goff, when he came into the league in 2016, they just moved um, from St. Louis to Los Angeles. And things had really gotten toxic at the end with Jeff Fisher. Um, and uh, the staff was in, in a little bit of disarray. The relationship between the coaches and the front office wasn't good. And a lot of the locker room had checked out. And you guys remember, Goff got in there at the end of that year and was awful. And looked like a lost cause. And people were wondering if he would ever make it. And they really sort of focused part of what they were doing on getting their young quarterback right, and that led them to Sean McVay. And so, you know, Jared Goff wasn't the prospect that Trevor Lawrence is. And Trevor Lawrence, and then Jared Goff wasn't ruined by a bad rookie year. So I don't think you have to worry about Trevor Lawrence being so affected by what happened, especially based on what we know about him personally. I think you have to worry about him being so affected by year one that's going to leave this mark that can't, you know, that, that can't be erased. Um, that said, I mean, I think from here, like the Rams did in 2017, you really have to focus on, you know, creating the right environment for your young quarterback to develop in. And so, you know, I think that there's going to have to be at least a hard look taken at guys who have background with quarterbacks. And to me, one that makes a lot of sense is Josh McDaniels, who's been waiting for his second chance who has shown over and over and over again, and Brady, you played for him, so you know, um, what he can do with young quarterbacks. And it's not just Mac Jones. He developed Jimmy Garoppolo from a second-round pick into a quarterback who took a team to the Super Bowl. He developed Mac Castle from undrafted free agent, a guy who didn't start a game in college, to leading another franchise to a division title in Kansas City. He developed Jacoby Brissett from third-round pick into a guy who will probably have a 10-year NFL career. So, you know, I think, like, looking at somebody like that is probably the way to go, where you say, okay, how can we create the right environment with a guy who's seen a lot, who's had some experience, um, and can create the right sort of system here for our quarterback to develop and create the right sort of relationship with our young quarterback. And so, you know, again, like, I'm not saying it has to be Josh, but I think, you know, looking at people like that is probably the first path that you would take if you're the Jaguars just, right now. I, I just want to follow up just super quickly. Is this? Oh, I'm sorry. Is this more? Is this more of a an indictment on on the Jags, or is this on Urban Meyer as we move forward? How you think this will play? How you think that aspect of it will play out? Well, I mean, like the Jaguars haven't had a lot of success. Period over the last 13 years, so it's not, <laughs> like, they, it's not like they don't. It's not like they don't. It's not like they don't have blood on their hands. I mean, I. I, I, I do I, I do think that they they're culpable, but I, you know, look like Urban had power to do whatever he wanted, you know, 
and, and I know for a fact there were guys in that staff that he, that he viewed he'd identified as weak links. And I know for a fact that maybe things weren't perfect with him in the front office and the GM, Trent Balky. But it's hard to, you know, say, like, okay, this is Urban's fault and this is Trent Balky's fault and this is that assist, those assistants' fault when Urban had the power in January to change whatever he wanted to change. I mean, he could have told Shad Khan, do this, do this, do this, do this, and Shad would have done, done everything he wanted to get him. And so, like, it's not all Urban's fault what happened over the last year, but he has responsibility for every little part of it because he had the power to change whatever he wanted to change. That is interesting. Didn't uh, Bulky have uh, some leaks and stuff going on during the end of his time there at the 49ers? <laughs> yeah, saying, things I... were pretty at the end there. He, he churned uh, through three coaches in three years there. Uh, if you remember, there are some very interesting stories about the end between uh, Jim Harbaugh and Trent Balky, so maybe Urban and his old buddy Jimmy can uh, get together and, uh, and share some more stories there. It's uh, two pros and a cup of Joe here, Fox Sports Radio. Albert Breer joining us here on FSR, senior NFL reporter for the MMQB. Um, the uh, COVID uh, issues are starting to pop up in the NFL. It seems like it's all over the place. Obviously, the Browns, Baker Mayfield, Kevin Stefanski. From your understanding, there's been some discussion, Albert, about you know maybe modifying the protocols to yeah. because you know based on the new information that we have. How do you think this plays out in the immediate future for the NFL? Well, they're discussing significant changes with the union now. And, you know, one that I think has a lot of support among teams that I, I just I don't think the union's going to go for it is to incentivize guys getting the booster shot and telling oh, them geez. that we will not, that we will not, that we will not test you anymore asymptomatic if you get the booster shot. And in that case, it would allow basically the players who have the booster shot to, to move on from this. And it would obviously put the league at less risk to losing players for important games down the stretch and then, of course, playoff games. Um, and I think the issue that they have there is that, you know, negotiating that with the union, um, the union views any sort of step back in, t- in testing as sort of a loss in a negotiation. So I don't think they're going to be able to get that one by the union. The other idea that I've heard that's sort of interesting is go back to daily testing and instead of like kicking unvaccinated uh, COVID positive player or instead of kicking vaccinated asymptomatic COVID positive players out of the buildings, now just go to monitoring them. So if a guy tests positive, he's been vaccinated and he doesn't have symptoms, then you just sort of tell him, okay, you got to wear a mask in the building you got a distance, but you can still be here and you can still work and you can still play on Sunday with the premise of that being there's been no on-field transmission anywhere in sports over the last two years. So I think they see the storm cloud that's, that's gathering here. Um, and one of the things that Dr. Alan Sills told the teams yesterday in Dallas was that this is Omicron, that they believe this is Omicron. And what they found about Omicron is that it's more contagious than the previous strains, but it's it's got milder symptoms. So basically, it's going to be more prevalent, but there's going to be less reason to shut everything down because of it. Um, and so, like, really, that's led them to think we're going to be in a tough spot if we let things keep going the way that they're going. And, you know, really, like, the situations in Cleveland 
in Los Angeles are just going to be the tip of the iceberg over the next couple of months. So um, over the last two years, you're saying we have not seen one case transmitted on the field of play, or at least tracked back to that. Yeah, so what they say, Brady, what they'll tell you is their data shows that the transmission is happening when they meet, when it's eat, they, the, the term they use is eating, meeting, and greeting. Like gotcha. when you're in meetings, it's transmit, it can be, they've seen it transmitted in meetings. They've seen it transmitted when the guys are eating together. They've seen it transmitted in social situations. But there is, and I'm not, it's they, not they just they the assume. NFL. They assume it's transmitted. It's not like they actually see the the viral particles going from one person to the other, right? Well, I mean, you, you don't know, but that. no, but the, no, but Brady the, you know, doesn't have those wearing, 3D goggles though. They're special yeah, 3D goggles yeah. that you can they spot were, that. But they were, I mean, but they were wearing that. These guys were wearing like the contact tracers. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah, yeah, yeah. like there was, like, there was a. They were able to tell who was around who, and not only who was around who, but when people For were how long each other. distance, all that. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. And so, like, the, the point on. The point I'm trying to make, Albert, is two years yeah. ago we didn't have a vaccine. Right. No on-the-field transmissions. Now we incentivize players to get tested less, get the vaccine, and yet there's no on-the-field transmissions, but they're still getting right. the virus. So now we're trying to once again incentivize players to get a booster so they don't get tested, yet again, it, it's not on the field. It's not practice. It's not playing. It's, it's everywhere else, probably even in their social lives outside of the building itself. Right. Yeah. And yet, like, like this is the solution we're coming up with. It, it just, it all seems a little bonkers to me. If you're asymptomatic, you're asymptomatic. Right. You're, you're not contagious. You're not at risk of doing that yeah. stuff. And that, and that's the point that's been made by a lot of people, actually, Brady. It's interesting. It's like, like I, I know some team people yesterday in that meeting made the point. Why are we? Why don't we just treat the symptoms instead of chasing the virus? And I think it's actually an interesting point because. If you look at workplaces across America, that's the way workplaces across America are operating right now. And I think there is that question in the NFL, like why are we putting ourselves in peril from a business standpoint, doing things that no one outside of sports in the United States of America is really doing right now? Um, And I think part of it is, again, that negotiation between the league and the union and where that league and the union negotiation goes and it sort of felt to me like yesterday when, when I was at that meeting in Dallas that, you know, like right now, I think it's going to be difficult for them to take major steps backward as far as testing and protocols and all of that. So, I mean, with two, two months left in the season, this is going to be about survival and finding a way to make sure they don't have to cancel or postpone games, which, by the way, is going to be a million times more difficult this year with, with fans in the stands. Like last year, it was really easy to move a game to a Tuesday because there were no fans coming in. So all you were worried about was how do the teams get in, how do the teams get out. You had nothing else to worry about. Whereas this year, it would be a logistically a lot more difficult. Um, so I think like you know the idea here, because they know the way the negotiations have gone between the league and the union, um, the, 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 the thought here is, how can we survive to February 13th or whatever day the Super Bowl is on? Um, and then, you know, like after that, we're going to reassess for 2022 where we go with all this. It just it feels like, again, this is one, another one of those things in the NFL that's come down to sort of the infighting between the union and the league. I got one last one for you just super quickly. It looks yep. as though RG3's tell-all book is going to look <laughs> so much better out, out on uh, – 
out on stands. There, I mean, what's the latest? Can you give us some some insight on the latest conversations about Daniel Snyder and, and his Washington football team? Oh, man. Couldn't help it. I couldn't. Is Josh Lambeau right in the forward oh, for that? Oh, oh, well done. Albert well done. The mic has yeah. dropped. He just dunked on him. The mic yeah. has dropped. Yeah. Kiss our ass, Lambo! Yeah! <laughs> Make a kick, Lambo! <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Albert. I don't even think you need to answer the question after that. Uh, we're, we're good. That was we're a, good that here. Was the mic drop. Yeah, uh, we're, we're good here. Uh, get him on Twitter at Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter at the MMQB. Uh, Albert, always good stuff. We appreciate it, man. Let's do it again next week. All right, thanks, guys. Have a good weekend. Happy holidays. There it is. Yeah, I'm sure that'll offend somebody too. Yeah, I'm sure oh, of course. Be by that, I bet you he's taking too many hits to his head, and then yep, you know the gunshots outside of his restaurant. Yeah, you know, I'm sure yeah. that that's totally impacted Albert Breer's ability to happens. be able to look at this topic oh, of conversation. I hate when yeah. that happens. Yeah, uh, is it time to break or it what? Is, I I'm, I'm it petty. <laughs> hey Brady, I, I, if you haven't learned this about you, big bro, bro. I am a petty dude. <laughs> I, I hope I can change that. Man. I'm petty. I really do. If there's not enough time in this life for pettiness, oh, I love, not. I love making time for it. Yeah, I love making. I, I want. Hey, look, when you when you're a part of my my eulogy, I want you to say, you know what, my bro was petty as hell, and you know what, he enjoyed it. <laughs> he enjoyed being petty as hell. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.